2: This is the John Fuglesang Podcast.
3: I'm John Fuglesang. This is SiriusXM Progress. Welcome to Thanksgiving week. I'm so glad you're still here. I'm so glad we're all still here. And for the next three hours, let's do this together at 866-997-4748. We got a great one tonight. Uh, The wonderful historian Kenneth C. Davis is with us to discuss his brand new book, which is very different from all of his histories. This book is called Great Short Books, A Year of Reading Briefly. Ken decided to take advantage of the time in lockdown and write a book about some of the greatest short books that are out there. And it's sort of like, well, it's like Bob Dylan's new book that's all about his favorite songs. This is one of our favorite writers, Book about his favorite books. And it is incredible. And it's everybody from uh, James Joyce to Stephen King. Really, really fun. Comedian Rhonda Hansom is here to deal with fools. I hope you're keeping warm. It was cold in New York today, folks. It was so cold. It was so it was. Co- oh, my God. It was it was so cold. Donald Trump went into a mosque for the heating. It was Very, very cold here in the city. If you missed our big Midterm special and you would like to laugh about our political climate, please, please check out the big Stephanie Miller, sexy, liberal, save democracy comedy tour. It's at meethook uh, dot live and you can check it out. It's features Stephanie Miller, how sparks me, Frangela. It's extremely funny. It's not just a big liberal pep rally. It's a great comedy show. And Rob Reiner joins us on stage, as does Glenn Kirshner. It's super fun. Do check it out. Also, we've got a couple of we've got a great Thanksgiving special coming up we're going to be talking with uh some of our favorite guests including theologian diana butler bass about thanksgiving itself and gratitude and trying to be spiritually or personally connected and grounded during a time when trifling fools and rank fuckery rule the day we're also going to have three of our favorites all together to talk about what they're thankful for and what they'd like to send back uh it'll be Rhonda handsome again and keith price and professor cory brett I've never had all three of those people in one room at the same time. I hope Corey's ready for what's about to hit him. They'll be in one Zoom room at the same time. All that plus, our good friend, the iconic, the brilliant Sean Bertolo is sitting in for Thea Harper tonight. And uh, Chris Auselt is back. Our intrepid leader is running this thing from the South Carolina studios. I'm here in New York City, and I hope you guys are great. From the Rockies, the Roxy. What's that, what?
4: Well, I just want to point out that um, much like Thea,
5: Sean does not suffer fools lightly. That's so true well for him. The same modicum of respect.
3: All right. Yes. Here's what I'm going to do then. Uh, let me give the speech I give about about Thea every night. If you call up at 866-997-GRIT, I don't need you hitting on Sean. I don't need you trying to make yeah. Sean your friend. I don't yeah. need you asking Sean to friend you on Facebook. I don't need you making, making Sean feel creepy. I don't think you will. But if you wouldn't do it to Sean, don't do it to Thea. You know who I'm talking about. Don't make me protect this woman. She doesn't need my help. But damn, there we go. We have a couple of friendly people. That's all I'm trying to say. 866-997-4748. I think we're ready. Uh, Let's do a show. The shooter was groomed. That's really the most important thing to tell you. The shooter, like all shooters, was groomed. This shooter, like much of our country, was most likely groomed by months and months of anti-gay smears. Mm -hmm anti-transgender smears about grooming about genital mutilation about drag brunches the shooter was groomed like we're all being groomed by a right-wing media ecosystem that has no solutions and nothing positive to say and they know they can't get away with being nakedly homophobic anymore they know it won't test well they don't want the advertiser boycotts but how marginalized do you have to be that they can still get away with being shitty to you well if you're transgender that's the playing field you know my whole life when i was a kid it was russian people (laughs) for years for years it was gay people i mean for for a long time it's been immigrants and migrants but now nah it's oh muslims we had a full decade where we were liberals just saying hey stop stop judging all muslims please now i'm sorry man the field has been cleared (laughs) It's transgender people, specifically trans kids. You know it. I know it. Drag brunches, is that a problem in your community? Are fully grown men competing in girls' sports a problem in your community? No. But the right wing in America has nothing to offer you if you're a non-millionaire except fear and umbrage. Here's a quick little clip that uh, our friend Juliet Jeske at Decoding Fox News put together of just in the last month, various Fox News fear-mongering about a marginalized group with pretty much no power in the society because they have nothing to offer, you stupid, mean white people. Give a listen.
6: It's violence. It gets people killed. That's the stochastic terrorism. When you question, say, COVID protocols or drag queen story hour or the war against Russia, you are effectively smashing an 82-year-old man in the head with a hammer. So what? parents already
7: have to deal with oh, high
6: crime and it's inflation, and now they have
7: to worry about demonic teachers turning their classroom into a drag show? What? The Democrats' what? message no going that. into the midterms is, let's neuter your son. No. That's- He's going through a phase, so cut it off. It's what? wrong not to. What? But drag shows, sex changes,
6: and... 45 pronouns are now a part of American foreign policy. So hard so to tell where the evil like ends and the stupid year, begins. it used last year, the one thing oh, you can Tucker. do is sexualize children. You want to go do whatever you want in your personal life, no problem. No one's going to stop you or judge you. But you can't sexualize kids because they're kids. That's child molestation or a species of it. We're totally against this. The one thing we're against. All of a sudden, you're seeing footage, a lot of footage, of children huh? being dragged to drag shows where transvestites are trying
0: to sexualize them. It's all over the Internet. No. parental rights does not apply to child abuse. This is clear child abuse. This is the sexual abuse of children. So
6: that's all obviously a kind of child molestation. It's sexualizing kids. And adult, adults, as you just saw, are encouraging it, and some are profiting from it. Hospitals are making a ton of money from it. They are sexually mutilating children what, for what? no medically justifiable reason oh. whatsoever. Destroying that their in Oregon,
7: where protesters on both sides of the it's debate Jesse clashed again. in front of a bar hosting a drag queen story time. And yes, they were smoke bomb protests. Yes. But there's a dark side behind a lot of the glitter and hairspray. Chris Rufus spent a lot of time digging into the origins of the drag queen story time. What? And he found that the roots of this go back to a belief that these performances can be used to change the mainstream opinion of fringe sexual activity, including, but not limited to, sex with children
3: the, whether or not it's drag queen story hour or the fight over what's all happening right you in get schools. the idea right but you Katie, understand, understand. You understand. this is, this is it right oh my God. Yeah. yeah it just goes on and on and on and this is just the last month and this is what the republican party was using to get hard-working conservative white folks to vote for them because they're not going to do dick about your health care they're not going to do dick about pollution in your town they're not going to do dick about inflation they don't care About armed young men getting easy access to AR-15 to blow heads off of children at a school near you. No, they just want your fucking vote so they can reward their donors. That's the entire racket. That's the game. They got to scare you because they have nothing to offer. Now, you can't groom a child to be gay. You can't groom a child to be trans. You can groom them to be bigots. And uh, I love all the genital mutilation. Genital mutilation. That refers to um, a lot of people who don't care about trans children, but they pretend they care about trans children. If you have a problem with genital mutilation, how about let's start with circumcision? Hmm. Right. It's genital mutilation when it's a culture you don't like when it's you. Oh, it's just being devout. That's the playing field. That's who they're demonizing. That's who they're telling you is less than human. Police said today that five people were killed in the shooting at Club Q. In Colorado Springs over the weekend, 18 were injured. Of those injured, 17 suffered gunshot wounds. The suspect is facing multiple murder and hate crimes charges. Arrested on five counts of first-degree murder, five charges of committing a bias-motivated crime. At least two of the people who were partying at this popular LGBTQ nightclub in a Colorado town that doesn't have a huge LGBTQ community, at least two people confronted and stopped the gunman who started this rampage and killed these five people. One of them grabbed a handgun from the attacker and hit him with it and pinned him down till the cops arrived. Think about all those cops in Uvalde that couldn't do anything to stop children. Oh, I'm sorry, to stop brown children from being mown down by a white guy in his early 20s who had easy access to AR-15s. Well, here, in a community where they care about the people being shot, two civilians with no guns stopped a guy with an AR-15. Colorado Springs Police Department Chief Adrian Vasquez said while the suspect was inside the club, at least two heroic people inside the club confronted and fought with the suspect and were able to stop the suspect from continuing to kill and harm others. Club Q, by the way, was scheduled to host a dreaded drag brunch the next morning to commemorate Transgender Day of Remembrance. Now, the people who stopped the Club Q attack, the mayor said, stopped it from being Exponentially more tragic. And I'm not going to say the shooter's name. He actually has three names. They all have three names, don't they? Lee is the middle one, usually. Lee or Earl. Three names all the time. Young white conservative. How about that? Armed Republican bigot. How about that? 20-something MAGA dude. You know what it is. You know who the killer was, right? Does he need a name? Here's his name. You ready? Here's his name. I'm going to say it. Early 20s white guy. Again. Right wing. Again, with easy access to AR-15s, as always, predictable, preventable. Law enforcement said that the suspect immediately opened fire on people as soon as he walked into the club on Saturday night with an AR-15 style rifle. Apparently, cops arrived in the scene within three minutes of being dispatched, and the 22-year-old suspect who had easy access to an AR-15 was in custody two minutes later. Now, he was charged with felony kidnapping and menacing after he allegedly threatened his mom with a homemade bomb. When? Last year. White guy, right wing with three names, was arrested in 2021 after his mom reported to police he was threatening to hurt her with a homemade bomb and multiple weapons. This according to the El Paso County Sheriff's Office. He was arrested after a standoff. He was charged with six felonies. And he was not prosecuted. Hmm. I wonder why. Well, hang on to that thought. The El Paso County D.A. will not comment yet on why the case was dropped. And and why? I mean, these previous charges against him raise a lot of questions about why authorities did not try to seize his weapons and his ammo he had under Colorado's red flag law. A year ago, this guy was threatening his mom's life with a bomb and had a standoff and was charged with six felonies. And now, a year later... He gets to mow down people with an AR-15. The victims were murdered on Trans Day of Remembrance. Daniel Davis Ashton, Raymond Green, Kelly Loving, Ashley Paw, and Derek Rump. Daniel Davis Ashton is a 28-year-old transgender man and was a bartender at Club Q. Kelly Loving was a trans woman. She was 40. Ashley Paw was a 35-year-old mom. She did not identify as a member of the LGBTQ community, and yet she was. She was there to be with friends. How many times you've heard me say, straight guys, all the cool women are in the gay bars. Derek Rumpf, who was 38 years old, was also a bartender at Club Q. And Raymond Green Vance was at the club with his girlfriend uh, and her family for a birthday party. He was one of the people who tried to stop it. Two of the five people murdered in Club Q were trans. Now, this is in Colorado Springs, a city that's very conservative. About half a million people strong. They have a very small LGBTQ community. Uh, They are home to hundreds of non denominational right wing evangelical organizations. They have a long history as being a home for Christian leaders who have openly denounced homosexuality. And it turns out, in case you're wondering why this guy wasn't charged last year, the 22 year old shooter is the grandson of California State Republican Assemblyman Randy Vopel from San Diego, who was also a staunch supporter. Of the january sixth terrorist attack on our capital. Oh yes, Randy Vopel called it the first shots fired against tyranny. He was groomed. He was groomed to think lawlessness and violence against people you've been told to hate is acceptable. Jason Jorgensen is the VP of the Colorado Springs District eleven Board of Education. He got in trouble because he was posting transphobic memes on social media. In fact, this is an elected official, Republican. Sure, he identifies as Christian. He showed a meme a couple months ago with a trans person hooked up to an ultrasound machine. And it projected an image of, of feces on the ultrasound. And the text read, when you transgender and you think you pregnant. More recently in Colorado Springs, a transgender girl was kicked out of her homecoming dance because she wore a dress. And hey, we're in Colorado. That's the home of Lauren Boebert, isn't it? Recently re-elected Congresswoman, who condemned the shooting, called it awful. But anti-LGBTQ policies are part of why she got reelected. She is against marriage equality. She introduced legislation that would ban gender-affirming treatments for transgender youth. Imagine being a trans kid in Colorado growing up around execrable humans, revoltingly fake Christians, obscenely false patriots who don't give a fuck about the word liberty. Who use the word freedom to make himself sound virtuous. But when it comes to an American citizen, a taxpaying transgender citizen living their life under the dictates of liberty as they so choose. No, that's cause for cruelty because that's what they're made of. They're not Christian. They're not patriots. They're a mean little club that slaps labels on themselves to assign virtue. A report earlier this year cited Lauren Boebert, along with nine other politicians, as driving rhetoric and implying that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and queer people are grooming children. Hey, there's a state representative, Doug Lamborn. He uh, he tweeted, I am saddened to hear of the senseless loss of life in the shooting last night. Law enforcement and the first responders are to be commended for their rapid response. All people should pray for the victims and their families. This guy is a co-sponsor of anti-trans legislation. He's a Christian nationalist, far right wing. Notice he praises law enforcement. It wasn't a cop who took down this right wing white male AR-15 armed shooter. It was two customers in a gay bar. And by the way, just one day after this attack, uh, Republican moral steward Herschel Walker is now running a brand new ad attacking the LGBT community. And opposing the Equality Act. Listen to this. You may have seen this ad already. It's really remarkable. This is Herschel Walker, who they won't allow any time uh, on camera by himself. So he's with this young woman, who is a uh, who is a swimmer, Riley Gaines. I'll let you hear the
8: rest.
1: I'm Riley Gaines, a 12-time NCAA All-American,
8: and I'm Herschel Walker.
1: For more than a decade, I worked so hard, 4 a.m. practices to be the best. But my senior year, I was forced to compete against a biological male.
8: That's unfair and wrong.
1: A man won the swimming title that belonged to a woman. And Senator Warnock voted to let it happen.
8: Warnock's afraid to stand up for female athletes.
1: Herschel Walker stands up for what's right.
8: I'm Herschel Walker, and I'm proud to
3: approve. You got that? The day after this shooting, he's running this ad. And by the way, can I tell you about Riley Gaines, the young blonde woman in the video with Herschel who does most of the talking? Because, hey, she's with fucking Herschel in this race of hers. She's talking about (laughs) she came in fifth. I think that's a little relevant. Don't you? She came in fifth in this race. She didn't get knocked out of winning because of a transgender person. Not at all. No, it's actually just all lies. She came in fifth. Now, (laughs) also, um, this is interesting. Uh, trans women take hormones to block their testosterone, lowers the levels of red blood cells, which decreases strength, decreases lean body mass, decreases muscle. I'm not arguing for anything one way or the other. I'm saying that trans women literally take hormones that make them weaker. And again, <laughs> this woman tied for fifth with the transgender athlete she was swimming against it's just lies they're making it seem like a man entered this race against children and by the way if i may on the big picture here who gives a damn nothing about this is even remotely important for the voters of georgia does transgender girls competing affect your life I'm not saying it couldn't be unfair in some situations to some of the biologically born girls competing. Sure, we can have that conversation on the local level. Schools can set their own policies. Communities can set their own policies. It's not a national issue. Not like 21-year-old guys getting AR-15s and blowing people's heads off, which Herschel Walker lacks the manhood to speak about. Now, this is being shitty to a marginalized group. It's being cruel to a minority that they just shit on because you got to gin up the anti-gay wackos. By the way, can I tell you something else? You know, you know who else got beaten by a biological Chris? You know who got beaten by a biological male? Uh, Who? Herschel Walker's ex-wife. That's who got beaten by a biological male. I'm opening with that line, and then there is the next Republican nominee for president, Ron DeSantis, hero of the "Don't Say Gay" bill, a man who banned transition therapy for trans children. This doughy monstrosity keeps on pushing lies. And really enjoying the attention he gets, saying that kindergartners were being indoctrinated with transgenderism, which is a lie. He's falsely claimed that surgeons were operating on young children. He said when they say gender affirming care, what they mean is a lot of times you're castrating a young boy. You're sterilizing a young girl. You're doing mastectomies for these very young girls. That's a lie. He said that in May. I'm fighting to protect our children, he said in an email last month. In August at a press conference, he got applause for saying, I think these doctors need to get sued for what's happening. Last April, just a month after the Biden administration declared they would defend young people's access to such care as a matter of civil rights. Ron DeSantis and his handpicked surgeon general, Joseph Ladapo, who hate covid vaccines, who hate masks, who hate quarantines. They put out a memo. Remember this? Telling doctors they had to withhold medical treatments like hormones and puberty blockers from youth with gender dysphoria, saying there's not enough conclusive evidence, even Non-medical measures like changing names or hair or pronouns were suddenly not allowed. And then they went to a fundraiser and talked about freedom. This bullshit goes against all medical consensus. The American Medical Association, American Academy of Pediatrics, American Psychiatric Association, and the Endocrine Society all agree. Young people with gender dysphoria do better with treatment that affirms their identities. So here we are, this shooter whose name we're not saying was groomed by the very political agents and revoltingly false Christians who like to misuse the term grooming. He was turned into a killer by a right wing media machine or a right wing Christian machine or a white wing political machine. We don't know all the facts yet, but look at his family, look at his party. You know, the Nazis were the ones who killed gay people in the Holocaust. And the fundamentalist, theocratic Muslims in Iran, the Ayatollahs, they're the ones hanging the gay men. And it's not gay people shooting up all of the straight nightclubs. Have you seen a gay person shoot up a straight? Have I, I haven't seen that happen. Have, have you have, have we seen a black person go in and shoot up white grocery stores? Are Latinos walking into Walmarts in Texas and blowing away all the white people? Have you seen any Jews walk into Christian churches? No, the violence all comes one direction, brothers and sisters. It all comes from this alt-right, radicalized white males. The ones who act like they own this country, always passing judgment on others for the crime of trying to live in an America that they own. He was groomed. We are at 866-997-4748. We'll be right back with Kenneth C. Davis and your calls. This is Progress.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. .edu/podcast
3: This is SiriusXM XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. We're going to be joined in just a couple of minutes by the great Kenneth C. Davis. Let me go to the phones really quick first. Greg is calling us from the great state of New Jersey. Greg, good evening. Thanks for calling in.
4: John, I love you. Thank you so much for taking my call. I have been listening All day today, I listened to Zerlina, I listened to Stephanie, I listened to Tom, I listened to Michelangelo, and Dean, and now you. And I'm telling you, I have been crying for two days. I literally have been crying and texting with my friends because, hey, I'm a 65-year-old white gay man, and I never would have thought that I would ever have seen something like this. I cry for days after the Pulse shooting in Orlando. But this one has really freaking taken my breath away. Like, it's a huge punch in the gut for me. And I am so sad. I am so mad. I am so angry over this one. And I wish that they would have done a whole lot more to that three-word named man than...
3: Well, I'm, I'm you know, I, I I'm, I'm, know I'm always going right. to be against I violence. I I'm always going to be against violence. Listen,
4: I am not I'm not condoning violence either. But I'm telling you, this really, 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 this really hurts. It this really, really hurts. hurts.
3: You know, I, I'm struggling a lot with it, Greg, because on the one hand, I'm I'm shocked, but on the other hand, I'm I'm not surprised. And I I built that rant the way I did to talk about the incredible anti-gay presence and anti-gay power. That has existed in Colorado and, of course, everywhere in America for such a long time. I mean, that—that's what I struggle with. Like this, this numbness, this familiarity, this. Well, of course, it happened again mm-hmm. after Pulse. Why would Pulse be the only time when they keep on pushing all these lies? Right. And I wanted to play as many right. Fox News clips right. as I could. I mean, is there a part of you that's not surprised that this horrible, destructive bullshit is still going on?
4: Um, I, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And you know what? What right before the break. You nailed it with the one direction, the one direction going, is there any of this? Have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen this? No. It's always the white person has always yeah. been going after this one. It's
3: always the, the white usually person. Usually the heterosexual white male. Let's, let's, again, white women aren't doing this. Right. Women aren't doing this with the guns. It's it's right. it's almost always white males.
4: Exactly. I, exactly. Exactly. I, I don't even, I'm trying, I've been trying to contain my sadness all yeah. all day long. And I, I don't even, I don't even know what else to say anymore with people. Well,
3: I, they, I, I know what to say. You got to remember a couple things. One, don't, don't contain your sadness, let yourself feel it. But also remember, there's more of us and don't you forget it. There's more of us. They're never going to get rid of marriage equality. It's the it's more popular with the majority of Americans in our lifetimes In your lifetime. you have seen how far we've come as a culture. And whenever I you agree. have this kind of progress, you'll have this kind of backlash from the bigots and haters who are scared of love and of evolution and of truth. But you, you got to know there's more of us.
4: Exactly. Well, and I Thank agree you. with that. There is. And I say that to myself all the time. And I say it to my friends. I say, listen, there is more of us than there you are. I remember it.
3: Greg, thank you so much for calling. I really, really appreciate Thanks. you taking the time. Thank you. I want to bring in our good friend, Kenneth C. Davis, who is not just one of my favorite historians, not just one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite guests. And that's really what matters. He is the author of the Don't Know Much About History book series, as well as In the Shadow of Liberty, which I will always say is the best book about slavery since Roots, and uh, More Deadly Than War, The Hidden History of Spanish Flu in World War One, and of course, Strongman, The Rise of Five Dictators and the Fall of Democracy. I'm so used to Kenneth's wonderful histories that I really wasn't prepared for him to write this delightful, wonderful, lyrical book about books. Great short books, A Year of Reading Briefly. It's a celebration of reading itself, and it's a celebration of Ken's own rediscovery of the value of reading fiction from an historian during the pandemic lockdown. It is a great gift. It is a book that will turn on your brain, and it is always a pleasure to welcome Kenneth C. Davis back to SiriusXM.
9: John, it is always a great pleasure to be with you. It's always, uh, it seems that almost every time I come on these days, we are in yet another crisis. We, we seem to go uh, a roller coaster of these crises. It is the times in which we live. So thanks, first of all, for having me on. Um, and I was just listening to the um, previous caller that you had um, going there. And this book that I, um, I, I am Publishing and coming out tomorrow is very different from my histories, Very different. but I'm going to say this about it. Um, it's a book that's about the ideas that are in books, and we are in a war of ideas right now, and during World War II, Franklin D. Roosevelt said, books are weapons in the war of ideas. Yep. Uh, it has never been more important to me that we all understand the incredible importance of reading not just for learning, education, entertainment, but reading is essential to our freedom. It's certainly essential to preserve the preservation of democracy. So this book came about really out of the pandemic and my dreadful uh, needs to escape what we all call doom scrolling. And I turned to fiction, not as an escape, but as a way to find some answers, some insight, some inspiration. And and I did that. And I did it through reading. um, I read more than 58 great short books, but uh, that's what I've written about. 58 great short books. In other words, you can read each of them in a a week's time easily, some of them less than a week's time. So it is a year of great reading. And I talk about each of these books and many of them speak to the moment that we're in. And that's one of the other great things about great fiction. Um, Great fiction is not about... Things that don't happen or don't exist, Correct. great fictions provide that glimpse of truth for which we've forgotten to ask. Absolutely. So that, that's what's going on with this book. And um, just to be um, clear about this, I certainly most people know me as a historian yeah having written don 't know much about history and all the other don 't know much about books and the other books which you very very uh, kindly mentioned um they have been my professional life for more than thirty years, but I actually have always lived a life in books and my very first book was actually a book about books came out in nineteen eighty four that um very literary year, Uh, and it was called Two-Bit Culture, The Paperbacking of America. And it looked at how paperback books, when they were introduced in the 1930s, really changed the country because people had never had access to books before. They were a luxury item, but all of a sudden, all of the great books of the world were available uh, at the corner drugstore for 25 cents or two bits. So I've always been fascinated by the interplay between books and culture. So this book, in a way, is a return to my roots as a a writer and lover of books.
3: I love it. And again, I agree with you. I mean, fiction is how creative people use make-believe to tell deeper truths. And that's what, you know, all great fiction does, be it cinema, be it, be it theater, be it literature. And I got to say, after a couple of years of Donald Trump in the White House and the politics that we've had to handle and, and cover on this show, especially since this show has moved to an all political channel, I, I've never needed fiction more. I've never appreciated fiction more. Now, I, I want to say it's impressive. You read 58 books in one year, but, but these are short books, right? Now, is it fair to call some of these novellas?
9: They are novellas. And in fact, um, the inspiration for the reading of this did come about during the pandemic. Um, I was locked in, as I said, doom scrolling, feeling restless, feeling anxious, feeling sleepless the way we all did. And I actually started this is a true story. I actually started reading one story a day from a collection called The Decameron. Uh, Boccaccio wrote it uh, in Florence during a plague. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Let me go back and see what this guy was thinking about and writing during the plague. So what he had was seven, uh, 10 characters go away out of Florence for uh, a few days, and they entertain each other while they're trying to escape the plague by telling mm-hmm. stories. Each of the 10 people tells a story for 10 days. It's a 100 stories. They're very short, but Boccaccio called these Novellas, yes. And so I went on from reading those stories and understanding that this genius of the Italian Renaissance, um, and this book is one of the foundational texts in Western literature, um, was on to something short is beautiful, especially during a pandemic when our attention spans are short. Um, I had would have had trouble picking up Moby Dick during the pandemic and reading it, but of I course. started to turn to these wonderful, shorter novels. Uh, and you could read them in, sometimes in one sitting or a couple of days. And it was a complete – it transported me uh, is the only way I can describe it. Not, again, as, not as an escape from reality, but as an antidote. And in doing it, I, I learned a lot. And that's what great fiction does, as, as we've already said. So many of these books uh, speak to our present situation – They speak certainly to what's going on in terms of the threat to democracy. When you read somebody like uh, George Orwell in Animal Farm, uh, which is included, or uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn in One Mm -hmm. Day in the Life of uh, Ivan Denisovich, which is the story of one day in the life of a, a prisoner in one of... Stalin's Gulag Camps, a labor camp. Um, th- this is one of the most important books written in the 20th century. And it's truly a page turner, but it is, it is short. Um, just because it's short does not mean it's not great. Yeah. Great writers really can compress these wonderful ideas, important uh, themes into short fiction. So these books that I've written about, 58 books, uh, are about Love, marriage, uh, coming of age, coming out, totalitarianism, uh, all of the great themes in literature are present in uh, in these books, and certainly many of the the contemporary issues like racism are mm-hmm. in many of these books james baldwin's uh, i 'm lost the title for just a second i 'm blanking. I've got it right on, in front of um, me. Hang
3: on, uh, you. Uh, oh my God! I mean, you have Anthony Burgess's Clockwork Orange here and Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. Like Animal Farm. Right. A lot of <laughs> yeah, these are books that many of us have grown two, up in. about two loved.
9: different books um, uh, as you can uh, as you can get. Um, but the Baldwin is, of course. Um, um, I, if Beale Street could talk. If Beale Street could talk, yeah, uh, it's the end of a long day. So for, forgive me. Well,
3: no me. worries. But um, he, here's what's amazing but, to me about this book. This oh, go a, ahead. This
9: please. is a book. This is a book about a young man caught up in the New York city racial, uh, the, the New York city justice system. Uh, he's been unjustly accused and he's in the tombs and it's about his pregnant girlfriend doing everything she can to get him out. Um, that book could have been written last week. Um, These are books that go from 1759, Voltaire's Candide, which is as fresh and funny and exciting and memorable as anything written in our time, right up to a book by Colson Whitehead written in 2019, The Nickel Boys, Mm -hmm. again, a book about young black men in a a, a corrupt justice system. The Nickel Boys is one of the most searing books I've I've ever read. It's a Pulitzer Prize winning book. And even though it's a short book, um, it is incredibly memorable and uh, you, you're not likely to forget it once you've read it.
3: My guest is the great Kenneth C. Davis. His new book is called A Year of Reading Briefly, Great Short Books. And I've been comparing you to Bob Dylan because his new book is all about him explaining 60 songs that mean a lot to him and why he he thinks that that's what music is all about. And when I was trying to first get my handle around my head around the book, I thought, oh, well, okay, so it's not really a history book. But the more I got into it, It's totally a history book. It is you telling history through the scope of great works of literature. And that's what I loved. I was like, this is a departure for Ken Davis. But the more I read it, I was like, no, this is actually you doing what you do most brilliantly.
9: And you, oh, call not, you John. You, you know, call
3: I've, go o- ahead. I've you, always thought as
9: I've always thought, you know, if I hadn't been a writer, I would have been a teacher. And I always thought that the way to teach and, and make uh, and get through to people is to make connections, uh, often connections between things that don't seem to really connect. So I always thought if you're studying history, you should be reading fiction that reflects that history. If you're, you know, if you're in English class, you should know what, what was going on in history at the time the, the books you're reading in, in the English class are being written. So that's very much uh, what I've tried to do, uh, whether I'm writing history or writing a book like this. So each of these books... First of all, they are set in a certain time and place, and, and, and that's reflected. Um, and I talk about each of the authors in, in considerable depth, because you can't separate these books out from the people who wrote them and the times in which they lived. One example right off the top of my head, Nadine Gordimer, uh, mm-hmm. maybe not familiar to a great many American readers. I hope this book will introduce American readers to some of these great writers from other countries who they might not be familiar with. Uh, Nadine Gordimer grew up in South Africa under apartheid. Uh, around 1960, she got involved in the anti-apartheid movement. She actually helped Nelson Mandela write a speech that he delivered in the courtroom, uh, a speech which probably saved his life. He was uh, going to be uh, sentenced perhaps to death, and instead he was given a long prison term, which, of course, he was eventually freed. You can't read uh, Nadine Gordimer's. July's People, which is a brilliant book about a race war taking place in South Africa Mm -hmm. in which a white family is turned on uh, on its head completely. They're forced to go and live in a thatched hut that belongs to to uh, the person who is their servant, typically. Um, so you have this brilliant piece about the the, the reversal of, of racism, the reversal of power told through this, this fiction, but it's also about more than that. So you have to understand Nadine Gordimer coming out of uh, apartheid South Africa uh, to write such a book. Richard Wright uh, or, or Noah Larson, they're, they're both included, um, people who grew up in the... Uh, The early 20th century in the United States, um, both experiencing racism, and that uh, is so completely reflected in their work. Nella Larson's Passing, which was made into a very good film last year. I think it's a much better book. She was a biracial woman. Uh, wasn't at home in the white community in Chicago, wasn't at home when she went back to Denmark where some of her family lived, wasn't really at home at Fisk University the famous uh, black university in in the south Um, so a woman who was really caught between two worlds. And this book, Passing, is completely about that, uh, about what uh, black women who can pass as white. Uh, It's one of the most important books written in the 20th century, I think. And it is a great short book.
3: I mean, it's such a diverse array of authors you have documented here. Is there any common themes among all these writers that it's such a diverse field? And yet I'm wondering if there was anything that connected them for you.
9: There isn't one. Uh, th- th- what what connects them is they're great, uh, and yeah. I think that that you know that's that's easy. But as I as I mentioned before, they really do cover all of the great big themes in literature. Did I mention sex, by the way? Um, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly coming out. And we're, we're, obviously, this is a, a, a an issue of considerable importance at this moment. You have a book like uh, "Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit," which is just. Yeah. I have to say, at this moment of incredible tragedy and sadness, this is a really funny book about a young woman who is adopted. is set in uh, the UK. She's adopted um, by strict evangelical parents, but. At a very early age, she realizes that um, she's much more attractive to the girl who works uh, the fish market stand. And this is a a, a brilliant book about the, the pain and the difficulty of of her coming out in a very very repressive religious family. So a very very timely book written you know in the in the 1980s. But again. Very, very timely. So the themes are the big themes of literature. I can, yeah. So I can't say that they run throughout. There are all the important things that great writers have all, always written about.
3: That's correct. And Ken, before I let you go, I want to just uh, wish you a, a happy anniversary of the arrival of the Pilgrims to Massachusetts and the signing of the <laughs> Mayflower Compact, which we like to call the first Thanksgiving. Um, do you have any plans for the holiday this year?
9: Uh, Very low-key this year because we are still uh, uh, living as if there is a pandemic. I I know the rest of the world. Turns uh, out there still is, yeah. um our granddaughters uh, who live up in Maine are both down with covid and um so it's this is a very real thing and John we've talked about it before having written the book more deadly than war about 1918 mm-hmm. uh knowing that that one came and went and came back again uh I'm living very very carefully but I am very grateful and that's what Thanksgiving is about. I'm grateful for a lot of things, my family, uh, my good health, and good friends and, uh, thing, uh, and, and people like you who are doing such good work. Um, You know, we have been through some really dark times. I compared the uh, election and others have to um, the moment of called Dunkirk during World War Two, when the British and the French were pushed to the sea by the Nazis. Um, It seemed to be a tremendous defeat. And it was. But it was that moment that they they had a rescue of democracy, and it took many more years of struggle to finally defeat the forces of fascism and Nazism. And I think we're in the same place right now. So I'm grateful for what happened a few weeks ago. I think it was encouraging. It restored a little bit of my optimism. So I'm grateful for that. But I don't think that we can, for a minute, Mm. uh, believe that we are out of the woods yet.
3: Kenneth C. Davis's new book is a year of reading briefly great short books it's a miraculous tome that will remind you of why you fell in love with reading in the first place Mr. Davis have a great Thanksgiving thanks for joining us
9: thanks to you John always a pleasure talk to you down the road
3: we'll be right back with your calls this is progress now i'm john Fugel saying this is sirius xm progress we are at 866-997-4748 very excited to get to your calls really quick um joe biden pardon some turkeys today as is the custom give a listen
8: they've been counted and verified there's no ballot stuffing there's no foul play The only red wave this season is going to be a German Shepherd commander knocks over the cranberry sauce on our table. Mm. That will cause... They are big turkeys, aren't they? My fellow Americans, please welcome the 2022 National Thanksgiving Turkeys, Chocolate and Chip. (laughs) Uh, I tell you what, man.
3: Nine dad jokes in one They They go
8: wherever they want. Of course, chocolate is my favorite, chocolate is my favorite ice cream, so I, but I could have, we could have named them Chips and Science, but anyway, would have been good names as well. But Chocolate Chip weighs 46 pounds, and I'm told he loves catching sun on the Outer Banks. And uh, Chip weighs 47, and he loves barbecue and basketball, I'm told. Uh, after receiving their presidential pardons today, chocolate and Chip are going to head to one of the nation's great basketball schools and research universities, North Carolina State. Now, when we told them <laughs> they were joining the Wolfpack, they got a little scared. Uh, but then we explained it was just a mascot for the school as one of the nation's best. Post- Here, here's the thing.
3: OK, you get the idea, right? Joe Biden pardons some turkeys like every president does every year. It's just Joe Biden seems to be having a great time telling these dad jokes
5: time, time of his life time of his life
3: <laughs> highlight of his, of his presidency he the Guy turned 80 years old yesterday and you know what there's only one way to do it you got to sell it and look like you're having fun and I am convinced I saw I, I was in the room with Joe Biden a few months ago I saw him do a great stand-up set at the Correspondent Center I'm convinced he was enjoying reading those unspeakably bad jokes about chocolate and chip and they'll now live out their lives at North Carolina State University I was rooting for them. He, here's the big news, though. Joe Biden got an early they, Christmas. They just, they, Go ahead. just do it. Just name the turkeys Elon and Donald and be done with it. <laughs> name, no, he wants them to survive and have a long life. No, no, no. Um, but guess what happened today? Pramila Jayapal, chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. She was doing an interview in Politico. And I love Congresswoman Jayapal. She's joined us on stage before. She said today, Joe Biden was not my first or my second choice for president, but I am a convert. I never thought I would say this, but I believe he should run for another term and finish this agenda we laid out." Folks, that's one of the most progressive representatives in the entire Congress. And while Joe Biden is getting unprecedented democratic unity, we are getting ready to watch Kevin McCarthy be eaten alive by his own caucus. We are at 866-997-4748. Some of y'all have been on hold for a very long time. Now comes the time where I thank you all for it. Uh, hello to Bruce in California. Thanks for your patience.
10: Hey, how's it going? How are you? Um, uh, Great. Uh, remember uh, James Dobson, that mm-hmm. piece of shit. Uh, Focus on the family. Yeah, they're, they're locating that.
3: Yeah,
9: Colorado. Colorado. Oh,
10: by yeah. the way, yeah, the uh, the sheriff of that—what I had heard, and I think I read—the sheriff of that county, El Paso County, Colorado, uh, said he would basically not enforce the red flag law unless you yep. know, in most cases. And so,
3: mission accomplished. Exactly. Right? Mission accomplished.
10: Yep. You know, I'm just—I'm just so sick and tired of these assholes. I mean, I'm an old guy. I'm 68. I'm just getting, I've, I never thought the end of my life. I mean, it, they've always been assholes, but I mean, like, like Donald Trump just tore the scab off and all these assholes, you know?
3: Right. I hear uh, you. Well, it, first off, I don't consider 68 to be an old guy. Hate to tell you, I I think you're on the top yeah. end of middle age. I wouldn't call that old at all, right. especially not when we just heard from the 80 year old president and you're, you're, right. you're still right. 13 years younger than Bob Dylan. I think you're okay. But yeah. um, I'm with you. I, I can't believe we're still having to protest this. I can't believe we're still having to grieve this. We're still having to try to to negotiate this. How many more bodies is it going to take until people realize that hate and AR-15s don't belong in the same society?
10: Exactly. And and like you say a million times, these people uh, claiming to be Christians, they're the farthest thing from it. It's just...
3: That's why I say it. I listen, I get bored of hearing myself say it. I'm like, "Oh god, I'm not going to be talking tabernacles again. <laughs> am I no one wants to hear me talk about fucking Jesus anymore?" But you know what? We have to keep saying it because that is their camouflage. Their piety is camouflage and nothing else and we have to strip it away.
10: And I know I know plenty of these phony Christians. They're, you know. Yeah, me too. I, and it's just—it's disgusting. They just...
3: and I know lots of good Christians as well. And the good Christians oh, yeah. never get on. Yeah. The good Christians never get on TV. TV needs a villain. News needs a villain. Douchebags get ratings and clicks and eyeballs. That's how it works.
10: Yes, it sells, especially on Fox.
3: But again, there's more of us. Don't forget,
10: there are more of us.
3: There's more. The majority of Americans aren't homophobic. The majority of Americans support marriage equality. The majority of Americans want more sensible gun control that doesn't involve confiscating guns. The majority wants this. We just haven't figured out a way to actually have democracy come to the USA yet.
10: Exactly. And the other problem we have is we have uh, six Christian fascists on the Supreme Court.
3: Yes, I we mean, do yeah i'm I'm very comfortable with that language. I'm very comfortable oh, yeah. no, with discussing so any of their theology yeah. because again, my whole thing is if you're going to legislate and vote against and work against the teachings in the Bible, then find a new name for your religion if you're If you're not out there fighting for the poor, fighting for the sick, welcoming the stranger, opposing the death penalty, turning the other cheek, forgiving those who hurt you, find a new name for your club, man. Find a new name for your club. Jesus is taken. And you don't have to believe in any of this stuff as literal fact to make this argument. Atheists make this argument really well because so many atheists are so well versed in scripture. Just ask them. Tell me where. Tell me where the Republican Party fights for anything Christ talked about. If not, we have to call them out. You don't have to be a believer either. They'll say, oh, an atheist attacking me for being Christian. No, motherfucker. It's an informed person attacking you for being a hypocrite. We are at 866-997-4748. We'll be right back with your calls on SiriusXM Progress. I am now pleased, whether you like it or not, to welcome back to the show... The icon, the Nina Simone of comedy, stand-up comedian, writer, director, and actor, Miss Rhonda Handsome. Rhonda's open for Nita Baker and Diana Ross and Aretha Franklin. She's done several great solo shows. You can catch her on Politipod, available on SoundCloud. She's also appearing in the last ever performance of Groovin' on a Sunday as the city's longest-running cabaret show takes its final bow Sunday, December 11th. And she just finished directing a play about Sojourner Truth for the New York Theatre Festival. My God, you're the hardest-working person in show business next to melania trump how are you miss handsome
11: i'm black y'all
3: i'll say (laughs) happy thanksgiving
11: happy thanksgiving happy happy uh indigenous people's day happy uh colonizers day
3: (laughs) sure let's cover all the bases hey how did your how did your show go at the festival i saw some great photos
11: Oh, Dust of Egypt was such a success, John. I, I First thing I have to tell you, we had three sold out shows. There were only three performances. Nice. And each one was sold out. The response was just amazing. It was huge. And I appreciated that. But the thing that got to me is that it was a creative, such a satisfying creative experience for me. You know, you know how festivals are. There's like no set. You got to get in. You got to get out. You got to you have no time to rehearse. I had a fantastic cast and uh, they were so cooperative and so generous with each other that we couldn't help but have a hit. And uh, we're hoping to that it will have life uh, after the festival. But the festival itself was a tremendous success. And oh, I thank everybody who came out to to support it. And I especially thank, um, well, the author is Karen Barbonell, And the producers were Damani Productions who did just a an excellent job. And I, I feel so fortunate to have had all of those factors, all of the elements, all of the people come together like that.
3: Wow. Well, I'm glad someone was doing something beyond complaining about Twitter all weekend. Thanks, (laughs) Rhonda. I'm so glad it went well. I know how hard you worked on it. And I've done plays in the festival before. It's really intense. It's just like meatball surgery. You've just got a couple of weeks to get off book, learn your blocking, get actors together and just give all of your energy for a brief, brief time to learning these lines and, and getting the play up and running. It's just an incredible feat and it's exhilarating, but I know it's draining and stressful, too.
11: It is. And I am just now getting a chance to catch my breath. Uh, And uh, but I do have to mention that the costumes uh, by uh, Mary Blackburn really helped uh, elevate the piece around Sojourner's fight for her enslaved son and uh, and having a, a good stage manager. You know, there's so many elements that sometimes I think people don't really understand that that play into you know getting a production going and uh and like you say the festival it's like uh you know guerrilla camp a guerrilla yeah, war yeah. camp and and uh and the response was just huge absolutely huge
3: well listen i'm glad you're here because two major events that affect the lives of every american happened in the last week uh, and of course those events are donald trump announced he's running for president again and elon musk announced he's letting trump back on twitter now um when I say important, I mean they are completely inconsequential and absolute bullshit, and no one should care about either one of these. Uh, first off, Donald Trump announcing he's running for president. Did you notice, Rhonda, when he did that? I know you were pretty busy and deep in rehearsals. But did you notice he never announced a campaign manager? He never had any follow-up events. He he, he His family wasn't even there at the actual announcement. And it just sort of seems like he's just doing it because he knows... The media industrial complex will be all over him for ratings, and he's playing them just like he did in 2016.
11: I hear what you're saying, John, but uh, did he have uh, a platform, a policy, uh, any policies that uh, he was ready to uh, run on?
3: Yes. Me good. Joe Biden bad. That's the extent of it. Yes. Yes.
11: Oh, my God. So now we can look forward to him uh, sucking the air out of social media every single day.
3: (laughs) No, see, this is my thing. I think liberals are way too upset about this. And a lot of people are so angry that he's running and furious at Merrick Garland. And I'm like, liberals, shut the fuck up and let Donald Trump destroy Ron DeSantis and the Republican Party. That's all I care about. Merrick Garland. You can indict him, but let him kneecap Ron DeSantis and destroy the Republican Party first. I think I think we're, we're so used to playing on a 2016 playing field that we need to view this different. Like like Elon, Elon Musk did a did a Twitter poll saying, should we reinstate him or not? One month ago, less than a month ago. Can I go way back? October 28th, Rhonda, th- three whole weeks ago. Uh, Elon wrote, Twitter will be forming a content moderation council with widely diverse viewpoints. No major content decisions or account reinstatements will happen before that council convenes. That was October 28th, 2022. This week, hey, should I let Trump back on? Yes, the bots have spoken. These are not serious men, Rhonda. And I think that Uh sane people and liberals do themselves a disservice when they let these petulant child men billionaires Upset them and make us crazy. They don't know what they're doing, either one of them. They're desperate for popularity and likes. They're making it up as they go along. We can handle these people without giving them power over our emotional states.
11: Well, we, our emotional state is one thing, but their money, John, gives them uh, all, all of this power to to be uh, as irresponsible a, 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 as they are. I, I, I really... I really I'm so upset that they have this kind of control over our emotions, but also, you know, over our, our livelihoods, over, you know, over our communication to just walk in and take over a major communication platform and wreak havoc from day one. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was bad enough when he was in negotiations, all the craziness that that was going on. But he's he's firing people r- trying to rehire them and and uh uh threatening people uh, giving them um w- what is it like uh, hours that he wants them to work hours he said, like, let me know by five o'clock 1800s. tomorrow
3: if you want to stay here uh and work your fingers to the bone uh on a, at a totally different job you didn't sign up for or if you want to be fired right away and get three months severance and over a thousand employees said peace out bro
11: I mean, he's he's a little bit early to be playing Scrooge, don't you think, John?
3: You know what I think? I think that he's giving a lot of these other billionaire motherfuckers a real nice bit of cover because we just found out that Zuckerberg's firing way more people than Elon over at Meta. We found out that Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world who made one hundred million dollars during the pandemic. Well, that's not enough money to save the jobs of several thousand Amazon employees. I mean, we keep thinking that the billionaires are going to save us. And the billionaires are just feeding off of us and then getting as much profit as they can and not really caring about the workers that generate that profit for them I, I I literally think these other guys have done these mass layoffs because they know Elon is eating up all the headlines in the room and they can go under the radar
11: they're hiding under his cover. I believe that well well the billionaires are are doing what they're supposed to do they're making the world safe for billionaires that that's their that's their job You're right. description You're right.
3: <laughs> Well, we have a lot of people on hold who want to uh, weigh in on the news of the day. And obviously, I began the show talking about this horrific shooting at an LGBTQ club in Colorado Springs over the weekend where several people were murdered by a 22-year-old white man who is the grandchild of a prominent Republican who easily got his hands on an AR-15, even though he held his mother hostage and threatened the killer with a bomb a year ago. So it's just another day in America and it's another day in
11: America, John, where uh, white men are are doing this kind of domestic terrorism. And, you know, I've mentioned this before. It really irks me that um, they they try to make the face of whatever horror is going on in America, a black face, whatever is discomforting. and, And really, this domestic terrorism is totally out of control.
3: Rhonda, I want to try to get to a a few people really quick before the the top of the hour. Marsha is calling from the great state of California. Hello, Marsha.
1: Oh, hello, John. So um, I know that you have a caller who donated a lot of blood. Like That's Beachside
3: Bill. Beachside Bill.
1: Yes. And so he inspired me to check with the blood bank and see if I could donate blood again. They, They told me I couldn't donate after I'd spent a total of six months in the U.K. because of mad cow disease. So I called them up and they go mad cows mad cows who cares. So <laughs> I donated blood today for the first time. I'm a universal donor O negative. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> it felt really good.
3: Yeah. Well, wow, it's great. Bill will be very proud. We we that that's fantastic. That Marcia, thank you. You made my night with that story, and I'm sure you made Bill's night too. We have a a, a friend, Rhonda, who calls the show, who's who's donated several thousand gallons of blood. We don't actually know how he's living. Uh, the vampires call him the Orgy Man, and uh, <laughs> Beachside Bill has given so many gallons of blood, it's kind of shocking but it's good. He's inspiring, well, but
11: it's, it's important. It's important. We need that. Uh, and, uh, and with our healthcare system, we're going to be looking for every bit of blood we can get.
3: Marsha, well, thank you, you so much. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> we'll come over and pick up a, a leader. Thank you so very much. Let me go to Susan in Pennsylvania. Hi, Susan, you're on with Rhonda.
1: Hey, thank you guys. Um, yeah. It's uh, the first press conference I heard from the Republicans is where they're going after Hunter Biden. Oh, Which yeah. Which is crazy.
3: They're finally they looking defend. out for us, aren't they? They're finally doing something uh, for the American they, people.
1: I know. That's what they ran on. Yeah. <laughs> what did they to do for us. That's how they're fighting that's, inflation, they, and
3: that's how they're fighting all this crime. They're going after Hunter Biden's laptop.
1: I know, because he's such a, you know, he's such a threat. They <laughs> have, uh, I figure they can probably... Spend 10 years if we can get Trump and just keep going after him, everything he's done. It would take us 10 years to do that. But the main reason for my call is why isn't anybody saying anything about the $2 billion that Jared Kushner got from Saudi Arabia? Why, indeed? I mean, $2 billion? Why? And they're worried about a computer.
3: Well, why why aren't Democrats? Because let's be honest now, we're criticizing Democrats here. I mean, this guy, this hump, this millionaire at birth, this outer borough douchebag with a criminal father—and I'm not talking about Trump—but an outer borough millionaire at birth, douchebag with a criminal father who had big dreams of Manhattan real estate. Ivanka married her dad, and he helps yeah. Donald Trump cover up murder, cover up murder of of an American resident journalist Jamal Khashoggi mm-hmm. by Prince Mohammed Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Everyone knows it. We had Bob Woodward on the show last week. Trump bragged to him on tape, "I saved his ass." And now suddenly out of office, that prince gives Jared two billion dollars for his new douchebag venture capitalist startup. And apparently his own advisor said, oh, no, go ahead and dismember the journalist, but don't give Jared money. Um, and now we're wondering, how can the society be so hypocritical that they're going after Hunter Biden, but ignoring Jared? Co- of course they are. The, the only thing that should shock us is that Democrats aren't ready for this.
1: I, I think they have so much to untangle that they've been left with that. I don't think they know what's up and what's down, you know, then get untangling, hopefully, get untangling
3: because yeah, I'm they, sorry, but Jared have. Kushner, like Donald Trump, now needs to be used for good. We need to use Jared Kushner against the entire right wing.
1: Yes. Well, here's something that I kind of think is funny. Ivanka does not want to be involved in politics anymore. Oh, I, know. I don't think Jared has a choice. I think he has to stay with Trump because Trump's going to blow the whistle on him.
3: No, Jared's out too. On Jared's out yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Which, ja-
1: oh okay, I just yeah. I just saw Jared uh, in a press conference. Well, it wasn't. It was a picture in the paper where they were standing behind Trump. So yeah. maybe um, Jared's
3: that wasn't out. wasn't the
1: same story then.
3: Yeah, and okay. Rhonda, you know what I heard? You know what I heard? Ivanka said to her dad. I heard she said she has bone spurs. That's why she couldn't help him. So she really wanted to go. But the damn bone spurs, not able to do it.
11: She really wanted to get on that campaign trail.
3: (laughs) I mean, listen, I think they should keep talking about Hunter Biden. And Democrats can keep reminding everyone that's all they talk about. They have nothing to offer you. And it's so stupid because their base already cares about Hunter Biden. And they're not interested in going after anyone beyond their base. That's why it's scary.
11: I think the first son should have a coke off and see who could who could snort the most coke in one night.
3: (laughs) I want to believe that Hunter could snort Don Jr. under the table if you really want to know. (laughs) Uh, Let me go to Bill in Jersey. Hi, Bill.
2: Hi. Again, they're upset about Hunter Biden because of nepotism. You know, yeah, that never happened. And oh, I
3: know. uh, And, And plus, Trump's kids have so much nepotism to live for.
2: That's that's right, but uh, it's a noun and a verb, and hunter. So, I that's the, new, the new thing. As far as the uh, the uh, shooting at that nightclub, please. Uh, I had heard that uh, the uh, the first person to tackle the guy was an uh, ex-marine. Yes, he was there with his daughter to watch. Yet- the-
3: with his wife and kids. They were there with their wife and kids right. because right. people do right. bring their families to gay bars. It tends to be in many towns right. where the nice people are.
2: Right, even big, 300-pound, uh, beefy uh, marine do. And, yeah. and he was a straight man. Saw, right. And when he saw the guy going to the outside patio, he, he knew he was wearing uh, this protective armor. He knew just where to grab whatever handle there is on the back of it to throw him down and get on top of him. And, and beat
3: him with his own gun.
2: He beat him with his own gun, and then a whole bunch of, or at least one of the uh, drag queens came over and stomped on him with the heels.
3: That is correct. And that's uh, the beautiful part uh, of story. the story.
2: Yep.
3: Yeah. That's the beautiful part.
11: Yeah. Well, <laughs> that stiletto stomp before. will get those terrorists every time. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, let's get rid of this space, whatever they
2: are, This the space um, team they have, the thing that Donald started. The, space force? Uh, yeah. And do and and do a, a domestic terrorist force. Um, have... <laughs> Have active like people like you know, scaring the shit out of uh, militia people and stuff. Um, okay, I'll I, get on that. I think I think that's the way you got to deal with it. You know, they're they're threatening, they're killing people, and they're warped and they're you know beyond redemption. And uh,
3: well, no one's beyond redemption, but this is this is the real chance. This is the real chance for us to take back the label mm-hmm. of patriotism. Take back the label uh-huh. of pro life uh-huh. they 're not pro life they don 't give a fuck about Americans. they care about AR fifteens and that is right. to say politi- that is to say politicians care about their donors and the lobbying dollars they get from the nra but they're not pro-life they want mentally ill 22 year old males to have easy access to machines designed to kill lots of humans really fast i mean rhonda and again this is on the white guys you know black guys it's 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 crimes of poverty when it's a deranged motherfucker taking out a whole school it's always a white guy
11: and the 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 thing the thing that bothers me is is that we You just said the Democrats are not ready to handle this, whatever kind of policies that they're eventually going to get around to actually putting into place and not just promising and then having it knocked down they mm-hmm. don't have the message john i've said this before half of the half of the game is is just the well the propaganda the 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 selling it promoting yourself yep. and i i feel like they are just not ready to be able to 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 boast to to speak about what they want to do what they need right. to do You're what right. this country needs right. with their You're chest right. they're not speaking with their chest they they're not speaking even from the diaphragm they're just like it's like mumble rap.
3: Phil, <laughs> thank you for the call. Uh, mumble rap—that's that's, that's my—that was my old hip hop name. Hey, uh, crazy Mike in Michigan, welcome. You're on with Rhonda.
5: I'm white, y'all.
3: <laughs> Hello.
5: <laughs> hey, Roger. hey, I tell you, I, I love to hear your voice, and uh, I tell you what—you uh, know, things are so crazy, uh, and uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy changing. Excuse me a second, Alexa, stop.
3: Yeah, thank you, Alexa.
5: Alexa, Alexa stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. No,
3: you're uh, letting me mess with your Alexa. It's fine.
5: Yeah.
3: Alexa, but, resume uh, the song. There, that's how it feels. No, no. That's going to go on to everybody's house right now.
5: I was listening <laughs> to uh, Carolina chocolate drops and uh, mm-hmm. cornbread and butter beans. That oh, you got good, good
3: taste. Good taste.
5: Pretty good. But anyway.
3: Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, i got to stop yeah, my own. Alexa, stop. i got to do it in my house now. Look what I did. So what's on your mind really quick, Mike?
5: Real quick, uh, shutdown, government shutdown, it hurts the little guy. Yes. It hurts the little guy. I mean, they, they do talk the guy, you know, the, the Republicans say, well, it doesn't hurt really anybody because they always get paid anyway, right? Well, the they guy, know it hurts the, the little truck, guy. The little sandwich shop, the little sandwich truck that comes into the bases, the, the military bases, they they don't get re- reimbursed for the stuff they don't get sell.
3: Yeah, they you know. not They know. They know. Yeah, it's acceptable to them. Hurting working people is acceptable to them. Hurting wealthy people could cost them donations and get them a primary challenger. But hurting the little guy? Poor people don't vote. They know. They don't care.
5: Thank you, John, for being there. Uh, You kept me going through the pandemic. You told me going to hug my wife one night. I remember you told me that during the pandemic, and I did. She hugged me back. It was real real nice.
3: Maybe you should do that more often, then, huh? Might be a good thing. Might be on to something.
5: Might be. Might be.
3: All right, lucky lady. Th- thanks God for the call. <laughs> we have a a, a merry band of, of brothers here on the show every night, Rhonda.
11: It's... I'm getting that job.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, let me take one more call from a uh, Beachside Bill before the break. Hey, you're a celebrity tonight. You hear you you have uh, you have groupies and wannabes now.
12: I, I did hear that, John and, and Rhonda. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Yes, I did hear that. And I want to thank Martha. I really appreciate that. And I hope, you know, that's my hope. You know, because people ask me why, and I've said this before. Children with cancer touch me. They really touch me deeply. And, and I, I, I while I didn't have children of my own, There are many children out there, young kids today, young people today alive because of me. And I I really, that just touched me when I heard that. I want to thank her and hopefully, hopefully there'll be many others out there, John. Hopefully. And uh, and I I want to talk about the mass shooting, the, the shooting in Colorado quick. And I've said this after every shooting. And uh, uh, if they revoked that Bush law, the uh, Bush union law he signed in 2005, that gave immunity to all these, the, the gun manufacturers and the bullets, et cetera, et cetera, we could make a debt into these into these mass shootings, really, I think, yeah, but it would could. take an act of Congress and it won't happen in the next two years. But yeah, go ahead. What do you think?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I think, we, I think we could do that. I think we could ban the sale of future assault weapons like Bill Clinton did. It worked. It Mass shootings went down. I think we can ban high capacity magazines. So it's easier to tackle a mass killer while they're reloading mid massacre. There's things we can do that don't involve taking guns from citizens that will save American lives. That a smart politician could get both sides to join up on.
11: Well, we're, oh, check, we're gonna get a smart politician, John. Well, we got to get smart yeah.
3: politicians first. I know we, we're, we're working on that. Our, we have some top men in the field working on it. Bill, we got to hit a break. You can hear our music coming up. I'll give you the last word.
12: Now, I'll give you check your Twitter feed I sent a letter I a a letter yesterday my local paper about the coincidences of John F. K. And, uh, JFK and Challenge and all that you'll see oh, right, you. my uh, Twitter uh, feed
3: my Twitter feed I'm trying not to think about my Twitter feed my god Rhonda six months ago it was everyone we knew was saying how Twitter was a right wing hellscape full of bots and tormentors and now they're all saying I love you guys it's been so moving here